So here we go. As we get going, I'm, gonna, I'm hoping that you have your Bibles with you. I'm hoping that you'll have them open to Matthew 24 and 25 because we have so much to cover. There was a lot in there, wasn't there, this week? Yes, ma'am. All righty. Let's pray, and then we'll get going. Our great God and Father, whew, what a week. And we just praise you for your goodness, your mercy. We are grateful for your word. We are grateful for the time set aside this morning. We just thank you so much that you want to teach us, and we just pray that you would keep our minds and our hearts open to what you have to say to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Matthew 24 and 25. There was a lot covered here, wasn't there? Anybody have any, any challenging at all, or did y'all just get it and it just came right to you? Well, if that's you, kudos. Uh, this was really a learning time for me, and I'm just going to share what I learned with you as we look at the scripture together. So we are starting in Matthew chapter 24. And as Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciple and he was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he answered them. And he answered and said to them, "Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here shall be left upon another which will not be torn down." And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So here we are. And Jesus came out of the temple. And as he's walking out, this, uh, we don't see any other accounts after this of Christ being in the temple teaching again because it's Passover week. This is the week that he is going to the cross. This, this is the end for him. He's leaving the temple and he tells them that not one stone will be left upon another. He's foretelling that the city, the temple, the Jewish church, the Christians, they will all be scattered. There is a vicious defeat coming by the Romans. And much of what we are going to be reading here in, these, in 24 and 25, that's Christ speaking to that. And as he is answering his disciples' questions as well. And as we look and just how poignant it is as he is sitting on the Mount of Olives, what I learned was that from the Mount of Olives you would be able to see the temple, you would be able to see Jerusalem and be looking out over it. So here is where he is speaking to his disciples about the things that are to come. And also how poignant it is that Christ is leaving the temple 
and then the destruction will come when he is not present and how that happens even it just made me think of how that happens in our own lives we, we don't want to be without Christ it, it, it does not bode well for us but here they are the disciples ask him privately so they're up on the mount this this discourse 24 and 25 is just for the disciples this is nobody else the crowds are not there this is private this is Christ speaking to his own and so we want our antennae to be up we want our ears to be listening what would he say to his own this is just a couple days before everything is going to start so we want to be listening well and they have they are fixed on the specific details isn't that what their question relates to specifically when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and what will be the sign of the coming of the age of the end of the age and it's just so interesting as Jesus answers them because as they want the details June 7th <laughs> you know they want a date a specific but Jesus in his answer we hear that his concern is for their faith and their hearts there are things he wants them to know to keep them from being led astray to keep them from being alarmed and frightened and to have them be on alert to have them be the wise and faithful servant to the end and this is what he addresses as he does answer some of his questions some of their questions more generally but he starts with in verse 4 so there is their question to him and Jesus answered and said to them Jesus answered and said to them <clears throat> after their question Jesus answered and he said see to it that no one leads you astray I thought what an interesting answer <laughs> that he gives to their question it's not specific but he says see to it that no one leads you astray how he wants them to know ahead of time he wants them to know ahead of time what is coming so that they can stand firm and this reminded me and and I'm going to be paralleling with a verse in 2nd Peter we studied a, a portion of 2nd Peter in our lesson this week do you remember but as I read that portion all the stuff before it and some stuff behind it spoke and just fit so beautifully with what we're studying right here because what does Christ say see to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will mislead many right 
But I just wanted to share with this verse in Peter as well. 2 Peter 3, 1 to 12. Peter is writing to Christians, most likely from Rome. Uh, the time frame is not exactly, but they're, it's the end of Nero's reign. Near the end of his reign is when they're thinking. So much persecution has gone on and continues to go on. And he is writing now to the church and saying this now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I want you to remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior as relayed to them by the apostles, by the teaching, by Matthew's letter of what he learned. And, he, and just as Christ is saying, let no one mislead you, and I want you to know these things. There are many that are going to say that I am the Christ. There are going to be false prophets that are coming your way that want to lead you astray. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. Christ has these whole things. And, and as I went through the scripture, um, a way that was easy for me to, easier for me to organize in my mind was to make a list of see that no one leads you astray. What things was Christ telling his disciples he did not want them to be led astray with? That they, others were the Christ, that were false prophets, he wanted them to know about the abomination of desolation, the great tribulation. That was what we studied that in our lesson. We covered that. That was um, foretold about the temple being destructed and the great uh, tribulation all happening, all this. Now, remember, he's speaking to the disciples here, and he's talking about nation will rise against nation and kingdom about kingdom. And this is all happening before they're conquered. This, these are the signs. This is what you are to look for that's happening. So that no one leads you astray. So that you know. He wants them to be sure. Because it's going to be quite challenging. And as we look also as he is laying this to them, when he is talking in verse 15 about the desolation of the temple, and then he tells them what to do. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and get your things in your house. Get out! When you see this coming... When you see that the temple is destroyed and, and what would be such an abomination is that they would, the other people who were not believers would be bringing in idols to be placed in, in God's holy house. When you see these things, remember that I told you, don't be led astray. It's coming. The destruction is coming. He wants them to know. This is what you are going to see. 
false prophets again and again telling you, telling you what? Telling you that the Christ is here or the Christ is there. He wants those that are his own not to be led astray. He wants them to stand firm in what they know to be true. And he is telling them, these are the signs of what's coming. You're going to see even within your nation and the kingdom and the people are going to be fighting and there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. These are merely the beginning. It's coming. The destruction of Jerusalem, of the temple. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all the nations on account of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and deliver up one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. He wants them to know of what's coming. Even though it's dark. Even though it's dark. He wants them to know and to remember his words. To remember that he sees, that he told them, that he is with them. I thought this was interesting in verse 12 when it says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Lawlessness, when, when all that is just all over, people's hearts can get hard. And it's the love of God. It's remembering his love and that we are loved by him and how much we love him for all that he has done for us that overflows out of our hearts onto others, right? That overflows in, in works and acts of love toward God and toward others. And how so much tribulation and lawlessness, and false prophets, so many are misled and are not firm in the roots of what they know to be true. But not everyone's hearts grow cold. Our hearts stay warm and loving as we focus on the one who loves and who has loved us. And in the midst of this, we see some encouragements that the Lord gives. Because he encourages in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. encouraging and this is coming after all the things that are happening right 
all the horrible things, the conquering, their delivering into death, their tribulations, that they'll be hated for his name. All of this will come. And yet, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world. Despite that, God's word will not be squelched. God's word will not die or end. But the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world for a witness to all the nations. This will come. What an encouragement to know that as he encouraged them as well, the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. Stay on, stay on the course. And as he encourages them with the hope of salvation for them, and then that it will not be in vain. They're following, they're being faithful, they're spreading the gospel of the kingdom will not be in vain because it will go to the whole world. What an encouragement that would be to their hearts as he encourages them to press on and finish well. And I believe here that as he told them in verse 25 even, Behold, I have told you in advance. What a beautiful gift he has given them. So that as these things are occurring, they'll remember he said this. He said this would come to pass. His word is true. He is God. Who could know the future but God? What an encouragement this would be to their hearts that they would know, that they would know in advance what was coming. It's echoed here also. Well, it is echoed in the verse in, in Peter where it says that he wanted them to know you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Peter is encouraging the believers at that time too. Knowing beforehand, be on your guard so that you can Stand firm in your own steadfastness. His encouragement in the midst of the awfulness that is to come. And Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel, by the time that the Romans come, would have been circulating around. Would have been circulating through the Christians. So here, this, he is giving this warning to his disciples. But as the believers are reading it, they can be prepared and they can know when these signs come, get out! The end is near. It is coming. What an encouragement that would be. And as we read, 
the next part in verses 29 through 31 when it's talking about and immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heaven will be shaken and then the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky all the tribes of earth will mourn they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. It was usual, it is usual in the prophetical style to speak of things that are great and certain as near and just at hand and immediate this was a, an expression of the greatness and the certainty about which they are speaking. And so, as we read the words, but immediately after the tribulation, we think, oh, but that hasn't happened yet, after the tribulation. And this is, this is foreshadowing Christ's coming. That all this would take place. I think that here, after the Lord is, is giving all his warning so that his disciples will not be led astray, here is what you will know. That when others are telling you, Oh, the Christ is here. The Christ is there. He's in the desert. He's behind closed doors, right in the secret place. Know this, that when the Son of Man appears, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be, everyone's going to know. It is not going to be in secret. Did Christ live his life in secret? Did he share the gospel of the kingdom in secret? No. Jesus Christ came. He's the light. He brought the light. He was the light. He spoke the truth of the kingdom in the temple to all the people. There is nothing hidden about him. And although his entrance into Jerusalem, where the people were hailing him as the son of David, the king, right? was humble and lowly, certainly not worthy of a king. Make no mistakes, friends. He is telling his disciples, make no mistake. When the Lord comes again, when Jesus Christ returns, it will be in glory and majesty and greatness, fitting of a king. What a beautiful, exciting thing for us to look for in hope. We'll be in the sky. The coming of man, the Son of Man coming on the clouds with his angels, with trumpets to gather his own. What a beautiful thing to see. And when Jesus speaks of it again in 25, 
We'll talk about the sheep and the goats, but before that, in verse 25, 31 to 46, it is very clear that Christ again speaks of his return in glory and majesty. He is the king. In 25, it tells us that the king speaks. Isn't that what we have been studying this whole Matthew? Is what? It is Christ coming as the king. And at the end, when Christ comes again, ladies, how glorious it will be. He will come in all his glory with the angels. He will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. Reminds me of the verse in Philippians when it tells us that Christ, he was, he was lowly. He, he made himself to be a servant, but God will raise him up and sit him on the throne and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is coming. That should be a great encouragement. He wanted this to be a great encouragement and a sign for his disciples and for those, even those of us now, to know that when he comes again, it will be in glory. So be aware. Do not be deceived. Don't be led astray when your Christ comes again. No one will miss it. There will not be a question. We can rest in that fact that we know of his glorious return. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. There will be, we will be looking to a new heaven and a new earth. And, and even here with the destruction of the temple and the Jews scattered and the believers scattered. How else would the gospel go to the ends of the earth, to all the nations, even through? The, and, and know that this, that this destruction of Jerusalem and the temple that was, that was coming, this is God's wrath on, this is his judgment on Israel. But even in that, he always has a remnant to carry out his word. And as the believers were scattered all over the world because of this persecution, the gospel spread all over the world. God's word will not come back void. It will be proclaimed to the whole world. Jesus' words are true. His words will not pass away. His words will remain. He also wanted his disciples to know, see that you are not alarmed or frightened. See that you are not alarmed or frightened. We're going to, luckily, we have planned for such an event you have the, the verse that I'm using on your second page of your notes. That's what I'm quoting from right there from Second Peter. It's all right. 
We don't need it on the screen. You've got it on your paper. And that's what we're going to go with. Jesus also wanted his disciples not to be alarmed or frightened. He wants them to know so that in the midst of all of this, that they will have peace. I love the verse in 2 Peter. It says, But according to his promise, we are looking for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. No righteousness was dwelling here in what Christ was saying, right? In what was to come. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, the new heaven and the new earth and the righteousness to be, that's what he's referring to, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. To be found in him, to be found by him when he returns in peace. What a big order. But God doesn't want his own to be alarmed or frightened. That is again how he answered them. See that you are not alarmed or frightened. Even when they hear of the war and rumors of war and the famines and the tribulations and the deaths and the lawlessness, all of it, even in the midst. Why? Because Christ told them beforehand. Because he is coming again. Because there will be a day when righteousness will rule. So be diligent to be found in him, by him, in peace. The peace that comes from knowing who God is and what he says. Because it says, in peace, spotless and blameless. That's what we are looking for. So who, who knows? What does Christ tell them as well? He tells them, as he's talking about his coming, he says, no one of, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. No one knows but the Father alone when that day is. So know this, when you hear people saying, the Lord is returning now. He, it, we figured it all out. We've, we've done all the math in the, in the Old Testament and all the prophecies and we figured it out. This is when he's coming. You can know. Only the Father knows. Only the Father knows the day and the hour. So stand firm in your faith. God wants us to know. He wants us to be on the alert. Because we don't know when he is coming, be on the alert. Be ready. He gives us the example of in Noah's day, how they were unaware and not understanding. But let's think just a minute. We know Noah told them, uh, he was preaching to them to repent and to come to God. So their unawareness or their not understanding was like a not wanting to heed Noah's warning. 
not wanting to repent. It was not a priority. They wanted to live their lives unencumbered. And Christ is telling his own, you be ready. The Son of Man is coming when you do not think he will. We need to hear that same thing because he's speaking to his disciples, encouraging them to be faithful and wise and sensible. And he relays that to them when the master returns and he finds his faithful, wise slave doing his responsibilities faithfully. But he's comparing that to the wicked, evil slave who says in his heart, my master is going to be gone for a long time. He is not coming for a long time. And so he began to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour that he does not know, and it will not go well for him. The evil, wicked slave, he says in his heart, in his heart, did we not, have we not studied about the heart? This slave has no heart for his master, no heart for his master's household, his possessions, his respect, my master is gone from my sight, and I don't have to pretend I'll live how I want to live. But Christ wants his disciples to be alert. And even in all of this turmoil, and even after the long waiting, keep your heart fixed on your master to please him, and to continue in what he has given you to do. And in the parable of the ten virgins, he is talking about the wise versus the foolish, the prepared versus the, the not prepared, while they were what? Waiting for the bridegroom. Ladies, when the bridegroom comes, there will be no time to prepare Jesus is saying, be on the alert, for you do not know the hour. Take the steps now to be wise, to be preparing for Christ who will return. He will return. And even as we're waiting and waiting, I love this this verse here, as we are talking about, Peter encourages the believers, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 
That's the heart of our God. That's the heart of our God. And when we feel like, God, we've been waiting for so long, when are you coming? Let us remember two things. That a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years like a day. He is not slow to his promise, but he is patient. Why? Why? Because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That is his heart. To redeem and to restore. The good and faithful servant. They had been waiting a long time, faithful. With the talents that they were giving, giving. In this time, it was money. They were fruitful. They were not idle. They were going about their master's work while they were waiting. And they were welcomed with a well done. Ladies, this isn't limited to just money. What is it that we are entrusted with? What is it that we are entrusted with? What has God entrusted you with? Your talents, your gifting, your time, your heart, our one heart, our one soul, our one life to be spent, to be in service for him while we wait for his glorious return that is coming. Because he will come, friends, whether we believe it or not. It will not stop him from coming. He will return. Glorious, glorious return. Our king will come back. The sheep and the goats, as he's talking about them, it's the love that flowed out of the sheep upon to others, those that the Lord loves, his, those that are his own, and to others in the world. They're filled up with the love of the Father and it's pouring out on others. Ladies, we are to be faithful. We are to be faithful. We are to be found faithful. We are to be ones that stand firm because we're remembering his promise that he is coming again in glory. Let's keep our eyes on the clouds. Ladies, that's... As you drive around from day to day, moment by moment, no matter what is coming your way, keep your eyes above. Remember the promise that he is coming in glory. That is our hope. Know his word. Know his word so you're not led astray. God, Jesus Christ wants to make sure that his own know so that we can know what to look for, that we can be as prepared as we can, that we can be alert and fruitful serving him. Focus on his great love. And I love this, verse 17. This is where we want to end, ladies. Verse 17 of Second Peter, um, Peter 3. You, therefore, beloved, knowing beforehand 
Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the air of of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. That means he wants you to be firm. But go in the grace and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in that. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity to the day of his great return when he will come. And that is the hope of our heart, ladies. Let us be found faithful to our king. Go this week. Look up at the clouds forever. Teach your children and those that are with you to keep our eyes on the clouds. He is coming again. Let us serve our king well and bring glory to his name. Amen.